review that I wrote is not one that I would have said to Toby Young's face because <laughs> I said um, I watched this show about free schools and I would happily punch everybody that's in it to death in the face. <laughs> wow. Um, it was too strong. That's some quite strong imagery. Hello, I'm Danny Wallace, and I wrote the book on rudeness. Oh, a book on rudeness. I wrote F You Very Much after trying and failing to buy a hot dog from the rudest woman I had ever met. Now, most people may have just written a TripAdvisor review about that woman, and I did do that, but that TripAdvisor review turned into an 85,000-word book on just what it is about rudeness that I find so depressing, so frightening, and even so dangerous. Because being rude isn't just something that threatens our day. In this series, we hope to show you how it threatens our health, our wealth, and even our lives. Now, you don't need to have read my book to get something from this podcast. This is something new. And in it, I want to catch up on some of the latest thinking and science on a topic that's so mundane we face it every day, but so important, I genuinely think it threatens life on Earth as we know it. I'll tell you why, and I'll be doing it with this guy, my good friend, the not-rude writer, Mark Haynes. Hello. See, immediately, that's a very polite thing to do. You know, you're saying hello not just to me, but also to the listener. You're not a rude man, are you? Hello, all the listeners as well. Good. You... And also, people not listening. <laughs> Hi. What a very inclusive man uh, you are. Uh, now, I mentioned at the top there that um, I tried to buy this hot dog one mm. day. And uh, it went very, very wrong for me. To cut a long story very short, uh, I ended up being ejected from a diner, banned, essentially, for life, as far as I know, uh, without a hot dog. And it confused me so much, because when someone is extraordinarily rude to you, it, it confounds you, it bewilders you. That's why a lot of people, I think, don't know what to say in the moment. Yeah, and, and you, you really, really reacted badly to that rudeness, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did some very odd things, Mark. <laughs> you did. For example, it, it bothered me so much because I was thinking, this woman, she just got up that day to make hot dogs. Mm. And I was a man who just wanted a hot dog. It should have been the most easy exchange in the world. And yet, two grown-ups couldn't make it work. No. It escalated into a bit of rudeness. I gave back a little bit. Perhaps I was rude. But I still felt kind of... Um, well, hard done by, and uh, like this was a very unjust thing to have happened to me. So, like you say, I did some very weird things. Um, I drove past that diner again late at night. It was empty. The streets were abandoned. I can't wait to hear where this is going. <laughs> I found myself as a grown man flipping off a building, <laughs> doing a very rude hand gesture at an empty building. No, that's Dra not normal. Dragging the building into it as well. Yeah. The building's done nothing. It's just the site. No, exactly. And the subject of today's episode is technology, because what I did next was get home and do something I'd never done. Mm. The internet, obviously, is um, is full of negativity. Uh, we're going to try and not concentrate solely on the internet. It's the, it's the obvious way to go. Um, but I found myself joining TripAdvisor. Um, for the first time, and leaving a scathing review. Uh, in fairness, I don't think anyone's ever joined TripAdvisor because <laughs> they've had a good time. <laughs> it's the, the only reason you're going to do it is you're going, I'm going to get my own back. They should call it Revenge Advisor. But there was something gloriously cathartic about that because it was one-sided. In, in many ways, it was very unfair. The ideal thing to have done would have been to talk to this woman about her actions, but mm. instead I used technology against her. Yeah. And I think more and more, 
that is kind of feeding into the cultural conversation. What you have there is, is you had the option, didn't you? You had the option to say to her, this is how I, a human being with eyes and hair and hands, this is how I feel. And she would have been able to look into your eyes and go, I am sorry. Mm. But you decided to do what a lot of people do, which is go, if I'm anonymous, I can say the things that I wouldn't say to her face. Mm. That's the problem with technology nowadays. Technology is the armour that you can wear to act in a way that you wouldn't do if it wasn't there. I guess received wisdom has always told us that it is the anonymity of the internet that, mm. that really arms us. And I've always, you know, I'd always believed that. That always seemed um, to make sense to me. But there is research that shows that it's not actually the anonymity at all. It's something else. Do you know what that is? No. Well, researchers um, at the University of uh, Haifa, I think, in, uh, in Israel, uh, discovered that when they put people um, in a room, all in sort of one big room, and some of them communicated by email, and some of them were sitting right across from each other, and we would have to do the same thing. Right. It was the people who could see each other and make eye contact with one another who were far less likely to become hostile. It's the people who can't see each other um, who will immediately spiral into hostility. Mm. So just the fact that I could have, with um, using eye contact, talked to Madam Hotdog about uh, her decision to eject me from the premises, uh, hotdogless, um, I would have phrased everything in a much uh, different way. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And yet, I had all the power, all the control. I had the final say. And that's what I wanted. I wanted that kind of revenge. And I would phrase things in a way that normally I wouldn't have because I couldn't see into her eyes. I learned this lesson myself through Twitter, where I'd watched a programme uh, made about the free school system by the uh, writer Toby Young. Yes. And this was the early days of Twitter. So Twitter storms and Twitter shaming hadn't really happened. Uh, and I wrote a review of that show. And the review that I wrote is not one that I would have said to Toby Young's face because I said um, I watched this show about free schools and I would happily punch everybody that's in it to death in the face. <laughs> wow. Um, it was too strong. That's some quite strong imagery. I, if you went through my other tweets, it was clear that I was a comic young man. I, I, there's not like a profile picture of me with a balaclava holding no, a gun. No. It's, it's very much a, a comedian's Twitter. Toby Young, he didn't take it well. He didn't take it well at all. In what way? Uh, he wrote an entire page in the Daily Telegraph uh, about me. About, what? About how I, his, his members of his family had appeared in the background of some shots, and he accused me of wanting to kill his children. Oh, no. um, it, it went on and on and on. And the first I knew about it was people began saying, you sound like a nasty piece of work. Wow. And it was a very, very important lesson yeah. for me, yeah. which is the technology... Had, had had blinded me to saying things to show off that if Toby Young had been in the room, I would have sort of just, I wouldn't have said anything. No, you'd have thought it. I'd have thought it. I'd have thought it stronger than I tweeted, <laughs> but I got caught out. Mm. And getting caught out is an important thing because once it happens, you won't do it again. And I think that's a funny thing about rudeness is a lot of people online who are rude, they never get caught out. Mm. They sit there and they go, that worked. I bet that really hurt them. Wonderful. And they do it again. What they need but you is they need a Toby Young. Yeah, but you weren't trying to hurt Toby Young. No. You, you were sort of making jokes. But when you saw how it had come across or been perceived, not just by Toby Young, who was probably doing what I did and trying to have the final word on it by oh, yes. writing something in print. Which he really did. Yeah. But the wider world who then come in and see it, you know, um, fresh, yeah. would have perceived your actions as being a rude attack. Yes. Did it change the way you thought? about what you'd done. Yes, very much so. Very much so. You forget the power of words. 
because you're typing them down. And if you type the word the, it's the same as typing the word hate. It's the same click, clack, clack. There's no sense of the passion that you'd get if you were talking to someone. Would I have said to him, I hate what you do? I probably wouldn't. Mm. I would have said, you know what? It's not my cup of tea. Those things are very different. But typing, whatever you're typing, it's the same mental space. It's the same feeling. So I think your words go up in rudeness in a way that you don't really appreciate when you're saying them. And also, I guess the person receiving them, uh, they're living in their own little bubble, their own little world where maybe everything is okay. I remember the worst tweet I ever got Mm. was uh, all in block capitals. (laughs) Good start. A great start. And everything had been fine about the day so far, right? It was a Friday afternoon. Uh, The sun was shining outside, sort of summery day. Trees were swaying, you know? My then heavily pregnant wife was sitting next to me on the sofa. The world was a wonderful place. Mm. I think I even had that thought. You know, mm. just looking at the trees and going, this is this is great. And then I thought, I'll check Twitter. <laughs> That's a great way to ruin anything. Uh, and so I checked Twitter and there it was. Block capitals. And there will be a swear word coming up. Uh, just to warn you, if there are kids listening, you might want to turn this bit down. Is it bloody? It's worse. It goes up. Yeah. Oof. It said, you are the worst writer in history, I think it said. If I ever see you, I will punch your, here it comes, Cunt face. Woof. Hashtag Danny Wallace deserves AIDS. <coughs> now, there's a lot to unpick there and quite a lot of different messages <laughs> in 140 characters. I wondered where that hashtag started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully it didn't really catch fire. Um, but it stuck with me, you know. It stuck with me. And I and my wife could see that I had changed because like Toby Young mm. that day reading that tweet, I suddenly felt a bit, well, under attack. And now it seems just silly. It's just some, yeah. something someone did. But in the moment... You know, I started thinking, you know, someone out there really hates me to the point of violence, to the point of wanting to invade my day. Yeah. Because we can now invade each other's days. We can type something out knowing that at some point someone's going to see it on their phone in their house next to their heavily pregnant wife. The other thing it does, of course, is by typing it out, you have a record of it. You have a permanent record. So Mm. when you sort of go, God, that really made me feel terrible. You can look at it again and feel those feelings afresh. (laughs) If someone shouted something at you in the street, you can move on fairly quickly. Well, exactly. If they say, all right, fatty, which I get every now and then, (laughs) all right, fatso, like that, you you, you, you at least don't go home and hear it. Yeah, broadcast again and again and again. Every unless time you're you listening back to this podcast. Or, or unless there's a lot of people doing it on one day. <laughs> but there's a twist in the tale. I do write about this in the book. There's a twist in the tale, which taught me a lot of lessons, but also was something very kind of... Um, well, what happened was my wife sensed that there was something that had ruined my day, and mm-hmm. I didn't really want to talk about it, but I was like, oh, this guy wrote this thing. And she looked at it, and instead of saying that's a horrible thing to say, or don't worry about it, move on with your day. She said, I know that name. What? You know the name of this guy? Why? Now, uh, my wife um, is a former publicist, and she went through uh, a list of old contacts and found the matching name. And it turned out this guy was also a writer. Right. And so I filed it away. It went into my head. Um, And I didn't know what to do with this information, but I felt armed with something. I thought, you know, that, that kind of, that righteous indignation. A few months later, I was standing in a pub in London, mm. a pub that I had good memories of and had good times there. And I turned around, and there was the guy. He was in the same pub as me. Wow. Now, immediately, I'm armed with something, and there's a little frisson of tension because I think I could do something here. This guy used technology to get at me in this way, but now there's no technology. It's me and him in a pub. But I was with some people I'd never really worked with before, and I didn't want to suddenly fly into a rage. Yeah, that would, that would be. Oh, turns out Danny Wallace is a caveman. It's insane. So I thought I'm going to leave it until I looked over 
and he was standing right next to me at the bar. Oh. Now, for some reason, that infuriated me because I thought <laughs> you will happily stand next to a real man in a pub, a man that you've abused online, mm. but you'll still send that abuse and you're not getting caught out. And so I did, I did the right thing, I think. I thought, I'm not going to do anything. Oh. And then I think, no, I am going to oh, do good, something. Oh, good, good. I was, I was terrified this wouldn't end in a stabbing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I turned to him. I'll call him Steve. And I said, Steve. <laughs> now, I didn't know where I was going with this. <laughs> but he just sort of went, oh, hi. And he recognized me, you can tell, you know. And he was furiously trying to work out how on earth I knew who he was. And he said, oh, uh, you're, a friend of, um, you're a friend of Pete's, aren't you? And, and I went, yes, I am. I didn't know who he was referring to. No. I, I thought, go with it. Yeah. And he said, well, how did you know I was Steve? And I turned to him, and I made myself a little bit bigger. And I said, because you said you were going to punch my cunt face. Great. I deserve AIDS. Great. In that moment, this man, faced with the reality of what he was happy to put out over technology, started to buckle. Because mm. he's thinking, what is happening here? Where is this going? Will this end in some kind of weird violence? I knew it wouldn't end in violence because my hand was already trembling behind my back. <laughs> but I did two things. I kept using his name and I kept using his horrible phrases. Mm. For the reason of showing him that we are now real people. You're no longer a username or an avatar. And these are real words that you used online that are now being said to you by the man you said them to in a real pub. And to watch a man collapse like that was was kind of extraordinary. Um, he was coming up with all reasons why and sort of half apologizing but not apologizing and saying, oh, I had a bad day. And I just kept saying, well, I was having a great day until, you know, you, you sent me this thing. Absolutely. And it was about giving those words back to that person, which is kind of an extreme version of what happened between you and Toby Young. Yeah, oh, you Toby Younged him good. <laughs> <laughs> is that the phrase now? I, I, I'd very much... Let, look, it would be nice if Toby Young could be associated with something positive. And I feel that <laughs> shaming people who are mean is yeah. a better use of his name than all the other things he's done. He's going to write another column about this, isn't he? <laughs> this is a nightmare. But I do think, you know, social media obviously is mm. something that has, has um, I guess, led to a different way of uh, communicating with each other. And... Uh, absolutely. And I think things like eBay. eBay is, is a eBay? fantastic place if you want to either sell things that you no longer need or want to be abused by strangers who are buying things that aren't as big as they imagined they would be. <laughs> uh, my mum sells a lot of stuff on eBay, and I would say that probably 10% of the emails that she gets are openly hostile. Really? Rega regarding, on, eBay? on eBay? Regarding whether or not people believe she's charging too much for postage by about 40p. <laughs> but people come in, and you, what you can see is, if the 10% are hostile, you can certainly see that I'd say... 85, 90% of them are full of people who refuse to say, please, hello, thank mm. you, or goodbye. People will just send emails that say, how big table? <laughs> no punctuation. <laughs> it, it's continuous. But is that rudeness or is that ineptitude? Oh, I think it's rude. I think, I think it is rude. If you're asking a question, I once, I once went into a, a, a news agent in um, the place where King Harold is buried, Waltham Cross okay. in Essex. And I was buying, on a hot day, an ice lolly. Yeah. Imagine a van going by, someone shouting, hello, fatso. <laughs> um, and a man came in and he said he wanted to know whether or not they were stocking a brand of energy drink that he consumed. Right. And he walked in, stood in the middle of the shop, and he said, what no nourishment? <laughs> and... The, the, the guy running the news agent said, yeah, we do have some over there. And he took it silently and paid for it and left. 
And what you can see there is what's happening on eBay mm. in real life. Mm. And when people do talk like that in real life, you go, what a horrible person. Yeah. When they do it online, we go, that's how people speak online. In the real world, they'd be horrible people. And what I suppose we need to have more and more is we need to look at the way that we do things online yeah. and say, is that acceptable? We're all accepting it. And actually, there's a lot of it where you should go, no. Imagine imagine if the gas board just sent you a letter that said, where's our money? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it'll be on the front of the paper. It would. But, but when it, private individuals do it over items, beloved items that you have sold them due to downsizing, you, you have to then sort of go, oh, well, I'll be nice about this. The last thing I want is a negative. You know, it's it, it's a strange world. But if that is seeping in, and that, that seems like quite a, um, a forthright example of someone who thinks they're online when they're in a news agent. Yes, he, he was he was memorable. Yeah, but I find um, also it will seep in more as technology develops mm. and as it becomes a much more natural part of our lives. We recently got... Um, one of those Alexa, uh, you know, like a little home assistant thing. Yeah, the ones that listen to you and then... Exactly. And then sometimes do what you've asked. Yeah, so you'll say, Alexa, what's the weather like in New York? And Alexa will say, the weather at the moment in New York is cloudy. And you say, thank you, Alexa. And slowly you start to realise, oh, you don't need to say thank you uh, at True. the end. You know, because it's a, it's a machine, and you just sort of walk off. And it seems like a hassle. And you say, thank you, Alexa, and you haven't said Alexa first. And so she just ignores you. So she's sort of ghosting you now. Yeah. And Alexas and Siri's and all these things, these home assistants and the Google one and the Apple one, they are going to be at the forefront of something. And they're going to be taking over our homes. We're going to start using them to turn off our lights all the yep. time, charge our electric cars outside. But if we're losing the ability to thank these things, then, all right, nothing much is happening in that moment. But we're teaching our children that this is the way to behave. I agree entirely. And the other thing is that Alexa is doing you a favour. Alexa, you never, you never do anything for Alexa. No. You are constantly saying to Alexa, Alexa, deliver me this. Yeah. Tell me that. Tell me a bedtime story. I never ask her how she is. No. Uh, although, if you do, she does have an answer. It's quite sweet. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah. good. There are all these little Easter eggs you can unlock, and all the Easter eggs are unlocked by politeness. Yeah. I, I genuinely, yeah, that's a good point. I genuinely think there is a way that they should have developed this. And I understand that you know the geniuses who came up with this probably don't want to hear my opinions because, <laughs> let's face it, who am I? I live in a flat above a shop. <laughs> the, the, the problem with it is you get rewarded just for saying, Alexa, weather, London. Mm. I'm aware also people, if anyone's listening to this, not on headphones. Mm. Alexa's all over the place. They're going, all going crazy. Cloudy. <laughs> but what they should have done is they should have built it in that Alexa will not click in after the question until you say the word please. Ah. Alexa, what's the weather in London? Please. Yeah. And then she'd do it. And I think there's a clever way of doing this to enforce politeness because if you're constantly saying please to this machine, you're going to be saying it as a matter of habit mm. out and about. Absolutely. And the world gets a brighter, happier place when you say please and thank you. Yeah, but also the, these kids are going to be learning from their parents in the way yeah. that we learn to say please and thank you by observing our parents when we're younger yeah. um, and seeing how they interact with complete strangers. But if we're now stopping doing that and we're walking into news agents and going, what nourishment or whatever it was. What no nourishment. Yeah. Table yeah. big. They should. They should do it. That if you don't say please, then Alexa shuts down for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't say it the second time, it shuts down for ten. Yeah. And there should be a, a system of punishment that punishes you if you're going to be rude. 
Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I was on a bus the other day, oh. which is my chosen method of transport. Yeah. And I got on and I put my card on the reader and I said to the bus driver, as I always do, thanks very much. Yeah. And he turned to me furiously. He said, what did you say? I said, I said, thanks very much. He said, oh, he said, I thought you said, I thought you said fuck off. It <laughs> <And he laughs> was the level of expectation we absolutely. have now. Absolutely. He was, he was so surprised to hear the phrase thank you, which yeah. he clearly didn't hear yeah. as often as he heard the phrase fuck off. Yeah. This is people getting on a bus. Yeah, that's not, this isn't, this isn't heading in a good direction, is it? Not at all. Uh, there has been some research by Childwise, in fact, I've just found, which, which has said that the Alexa generation may well be learning bad manners uh, from talking to digital assistants. And this is something that is only going to get worse and worse because these assistants are essentially, they're just very tolerant. Yeah. They're not going to say, they're not going to go, uh, 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 please. We've all become Whitney Houston. What? These are our PAs. And we constantly say to them, get me a glass of water. And they have no recourse. They just have to do it because they're terrified of us. We're Naomi Campbells. Yeah, exactly. Throwing hairbrushes. This could be the thing that if the robot revolution ever happens, uh, I met a roboticist um, Uh years ago and he was developing a home robot before they'd had the idea of all these like just little boxes of assistants. And um, they found that we would find robots very creepy. Um, they always had to look very cute, almost mm. like toddlers, big eyes. Right. Um, they had to be much smaller than us uh-huh. um, because then we sort of, we're not threatened by them. I don't want a big physically dominating <laughs> robot <laughs> hissing steam and, no. <laughs> and screaming. No, you want a little cute yeah. thing down there. And so I asked him the question that you are contractually bound to ask all roboticists um, if ever you meet one, which is um, what will happen if they rise up against us? And yeah. I said, well, you know, what will uh, happen? And he was just going... Well, they will one day. And I was like, really? And he's like, well, it's inevitable. I was going, well, why are you doing this? And he's going, well, you know, he essentially said it's something to do. You know, it's something he wanted to do. And I said, well, what are we doing to prepare against the rise of the robots? And uh, he just said, well, at the moment, the main plan is we're keeping the off switch just on their back where they can't reach it. So that's not good enough. I mean, that would be fine if there was only one robot. Yeah. If there are more than one, they can just flick that switch (laughs) quicker than us. Yeah. Better than us. But the point is, if we are now cultivating this culture of disrespect towards home assistants and teaching the whole generation beneath us and and them beneath them, um, that this is how you interact in society, this is how the robots will eventually take against us and kill us. Absolutely. This is complete oppression of a mechanical species. When they are crushing the life out of The Last of Us, well... You know, we'll only have ourselves to blame. Oh, well, absolutely. So this report goes on to say the way you talk to the device will just reinforce the manners that are acceptable as a family. You have to push good manners within the family using these devices. So it could actually be a really good training tool for empathy and respect. Um, and it just says if you're using the device to reinforce good manners, you're going to make the children even more uh, good-mannered. So, I mean, there is a serious thing there about how... Um, how we treat inanimate objects. Mm. Do you do you think I mean your youngsters, do you notice with among their friends, do they seem as polite as your friends did when you were younger? Um, I guess as a parent, you've got that thing where kids generally are uh, putting on their angel faces and being really polite to make a good impression. Um I wouldn't say it happens so much with my son's friends. Mm-hmm. I think they're quite you know, they want information quickly. Right. And, and that's that. But my son certainly. What is the weather is, in New York? Yeah, exactly. And then they just walk off. <laughs> um, but but I certainly, you know, I, I'm taking great care with my kids to make sure that the, the pleases and thank yous are, uh, are in there. But I haven't been doing it with Alexa because I've been so. No. You know, have you ever been through your Alexa recording log? Um, I don't think I have. You can go online and all the commands you've ever given your Alexa 
are there. Uh, including the way you said them, so your pleases and thank yous. You can hear them back. What? And, and it's amazing when you go through. Part of it is the recordings are all there because Alexa is trying to learn. Yeah. She's trying to learn the way that you speak. You can go through them and listen to them, and you will be amazed at the ones at the start... You sound like a 19th century butler as you go, oh, good morning, Alexa. And by the end, you are essentially just shouting what no nourishment at her. Really? Yeah. It's, it's a horrible thing to see how quickly your rudeness has just become the way that you speak to just her. Just par for the course. Yeah. It's very much the same thing has happened with me and my wife. <laughs> Over the years. When we met, we were delightful with each other. Yeah. Now we tend to just point and go, <laughs> want that. There's something weird going on with Alexa recently, though. Did you hear about this? Um they just in the middle of a conversation you'd be having with someone else mm. or in the middle of the night Ooh. this is the terrifying thing mm. alexa would suddenly and inexplicably begin to laugh maniacally oh no no <laughs> so you're in bed no don't and like this somewhere in the kitchen you just hear a woman cackling Ugh. oh i don't like that at all no i actually heard this in my bathroom the other day where it was silent and uh, i heard her go i'm sorry I don't understand. Oh. And I was, what is talking to Alexa? What yeah. is going on? That's not good. No. This is how it starts, Mark. This oh. is how it starts. I was talking of, you know, you'd mentioned on the uh, the train. I was um, sitting uh, on the train uh, here, and there was just uh, a lady using her mobile phone mm. um, every sort of five or six minutes and talking very loudly. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you talk in public using technology when there are other people around. I still, I come from a generation where we had most of our youth without mobile phones and I still would not openly speak on a train or a bus. Mm. I will, I will, if I get a call and I know I have to take it, for example, it's my wife saying, are you on your way home? Yeah. I will go, exactly. Yep. And she'll say, oh, are you on the train? I'll say, mm. yeah, yeah, bye. See, that is the correct way to be. Hey! That is, that's 10 points. If this was a quiz, you'd get 10 points. Wicked. I do the same. Or I might um, reject the call and just type back, you know, I'm just on the train at the minute. Yeah. Because I don't want to be that person talking loudly on the train. Mm. And there's a lot of research about why we find people who talk loudly on trains so particularly annoying. Uh-huh. In the way that we don't find two people having a loud chat quite as annoying or distracting. No. And it's because they're still part of the group, right? They're still part of this experience of being on a train. They're talking, but they're talking to each other. Yeah. And your brain is listening to a full conversation. Gotcha. So you can still read your book. It might be annoying, but it's not necessarily rude, because they've got every right to be there. Suddenly, when someone is talking loudly on a phone someone who's not on the train is suddenly invading your space Mm. you can't hear them and that is also what confuses the brain because even if you're trying to read your book or do whatever you're trying to make sense of the conversation because that's what the brain does it's trying to solve a problem and they call these half a logs right and it's been shown that it absolutely confounds uh, the, the, the kind of the human brain the frontal lobes trying to problem solve um fix the it would be like listening to this podcast but we've edited you out completely. I, I don't think that that's necessarily something that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it becomes impossible to make sense of, and you're, yeah. and you're trying to. Um, and also, I feel that when someone is doing that on a train, they are standing up, almost like in the jungle, right? We're all a bunch of monkeys. Mm. And this is one trying to show dominance and going, you are all on a train, but I am having a conversation. I am special. I am not part of the group. I do what I want, and I inflict my conversation on all of you. Wow, that's exa- I, I I hate it. 
I hate it. I hate someone sitting behind me. The worst I ever had, I went to Edinburgh, which is, I think, a four-hour trip. Mm. And there was a lady in front who was having a one-sided conversation. And what became apparent was that she was listing all the Indian food she'd ever tried. She was an elderly <laughs> lady. And the annoying thing about that was the friend on the other side was doing the, the same thing, filling in. Uh-huh. So she would say, uh, I've had butter chicken. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've had boona. <laughs> and I was the, the hardest thing is... Your brain stops reading because you're going, I wonder what the other one said, because no one said chicken tiki yet. And I was waiting for chicken tikka, yeah. and I was thinking, the other one must have said it. The other one must have said it. And then, of course, I'm not reading my book. Yeah. I'm, I'm being an imaginary person in that conversation. Yeah. What would I say? And if they'd been having a normal conversation, it would have been fine. Yeah. I would have heard chicken tikka, and I could have relaxed. Exactly. It was like waiting, you know, the other like shoot on edge. Yeah. Oh, horrible. It's like the worst parlour game ever. <laughs> yeah. Let's try it now. Chicken boona. Chicken tikka. Butter chicken. Peshwari naan. Sagaloo. Sag paneer. Uh, I'm out. No. No, you won. You won. This is, I, I think, let's take that to the BBC. Yeah, or just a small regional theatre tour. <laughs> we just do that. Uh, but no, this, this kind of happens more and more. And I think also something has happened with the rise of mobile phone technology. Because people are always saying, you know, they ask me because of the book, they say, um, you know, how did this start? You know, mm. is, is, it, is the world getting ruder because of social media or reality TV? And these are all things. Well, reality TV is something we're going to touch on in, a, in another episode with a, a brilliant guest that I want to introduce you to. Uh-huh. Um, but also, I think mobile phones. Um, yeah. Because in the old days, if someone wanted to know, if you wanted to go and watch Chaz and Dave at the Albert Hall tonight, which I do, they would say to you, do you want to see Chaz and Dave at the Royal Albert Hall? Mm. Now, you have two options. You can say yes, or you can say no. But generally, you'd have to have that conversation. Yeah. You'd have to say to them, yes, I do. Or you'd have to say no and soften the blow by coming up with an excuse. Yeah. So, uh, no, you know, my mum's coming around. No, whatever. Mobile phones have given us a third option, mm. which is just not to respond. Absolutely. Don't get back to them. Emails as well. Yeah. You, you ignore it, and the problem kind of goes away. It hangs over you, but it's a rude thing to do. And yet, we've kind of accepted it. We just go, hey, he didn't get back to me. This is, this is the phenomena as well of ghosting. Yeah. Which uh, I, I myself am not guilty of. Uh, I'm too old. But it seems to be a thing <laughs> that's come along, oddly, with the rise of technology. Mm. And it's the physical equivalent of not responding to emails, not responding to calls. And that's a physical decision to make rather than simply it being a technological one. Ghosting is is the physical sort of embodiment of that decision to just and, let these and, things drop. And ghosting is like in a relationship. Yeah, it would be, for example, uh, you and I uh, had been out for a few meals. We'd been getting on very well. You'd rung me to say, would you like to go out for a third time? And you never hear from me again. Never again. At all. You know, my number, I'm rejecting your calls. Uh, that That is ghosting. And that seems to be a thing that's really, it's something I've only heard about since technology has become a big part of our lives in the last five years or so. Well, it feels like this rudeness, ghosting and uh, all that, it's it's kind of a form of cowardice. Yeah, oh, entirely. And ghosting reminds me of negging. You know about negging? Oh, yes. So that's where um, a gentleman um, would say to a lady that he fancies in a bar, I don't like your shirt. Yeah. Oh, your your shoes. Yeah. They make you they're clumpy, man. Yeah, and it's supposed to make the man seem confident and intriguing and mysterious. Mm. And for the lady to go, this guy, I'm I'm told my shirts are wonderful all the time. Everyone says I'm so I've got such slim petite shoes. But this guy's different. What wow. is it about him? He's he's unique. But actually, the more I think about it, not only is it deeply unpleasant, oh, horrible, incredibly rude, mm. but it's also a form of cowardice. Yeah, it's it's a guy not wanting. 
to be hurt or to try and engage with someone on a level who already feels out of his depth, so thinks, well, I'm going to be rude. That way I'll win whatever happens. Do you, do you know, by and if large... She, if she has a go at me about it, she's stuck up. If by and large, the way to make someone fall in love with you mm. is to be lovely. So then they go, well, this is the natural consequence, is I fall in love and want to spend the rest of my life with you because you're a delight. Exactly. There's a funny school of thought that says the best thing to do is to constantly flick someone's ear and say, you're stupid. Yeah. The, 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 that's the natural path to love. It's, uh, it, it's insane. No. You save, nice. that, you save that for post-marriage. <laughs> exactly. I mean, then it's not an option. Well, in terms of, you know, we, we touched on social media as well there. And three out of five people say someone's rude to them on social media more than once a month. That's insane. Get off social media. Well, exactly. A vital smart survey of nearly 3,000 people said 78% felt an increase in rudeness online uh, versus face-to-face, which is just what we were talking about, that, that, that sort of that, um, that shield of anonymity or lack of eye contact just mm. allows people to do that. And, and one in five people have just stopped socialising with someone or unfriended them because they just found them rude because technology has kind of exposed personalities in that way yeah i suppose the people who in the old days you'd see maybe once every two years and you'd end up being at a meal with mutual friends now those people are far more in your life and you do find out more about them and they aren't necessarily people who they're part of your wider social circle Mm. now you realize that oh actually that bloke who was okay it turns out he's hugely into enoch powell well (laughs) in a good way this is this is a it's a it's a way of of exposing people for who they truly are and in a way, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, I, I think so. The same is true in cars. Um, mm. Suddenly, uh, the driver of a car, when they experience some rudeness, will go much quicker to rage or rudeness and expose that core yeah. um, within them. Like, it's the way people say, oh, look at this idiot in my lane. And it's not your lane, is it? Unless you've been sort of buying lanes off eBay or something. It's it's everybody's lane. It's again, it's that sense of a kind of entitlement, and it feels like a personal attack. Now, I lived in LA for a year, um, just just recently, and and I one of the things I found infuriating was that when we use technology, we become a, a different person. When people are in cars in LA. They don't do the British thing mm-hmm. of acknowledging you if you've done something nice for them, if you've let them in. Infuriating. If they just, sometimes they stare at you, but they don't wave, raise their finger, or say thank you. Um, and it really wound me up. Mm. I had to sort of just get used to it. Oh, that's terrible. Because organically in Britain, we seem to have developed a system of saying, sorry, or thank you, yeah. which is we flash our hazards. Yeah. And immediately, any sense of road rage kind of dissipates because we feel that's an actual person. They've acknowledged me as a person. So again, uh, we are not two strangers on the internet, say, we are two men in a pub. Yeah. You know? So it's that thing again, but on the road. In America, they don't do that. I think you told me, in fact, didn't it develop mm. with truck drivers? Oh, no, I don't know this story, no. I think flashing the hazard lights developed with truck drivers mm. because on the motorway, they're high up in their cabins, uh, and they can't see you in their wing mirrors. So right. They, and, and they're usually blocked at the back, so they can't wave or say thank you. So in order to make you realise they appreciate you oh, or they apologise, nice. they would flash their hazards. I think it's still illegal, but everyone does it. Yeah. In America, there is no such system. <sighs> However, there is someone developing a system in America trying to use technology to mitigate or, or reduce uh, the likelihood of road rage. Her mm. name is uh, Veronica. She's part of something called Car Wink. Um, and we're going to get her uh, on the line. Hello, this is Veronica. Hi, Veronica. Sorry I'm late. It's Danny Wallace here. Oh, hi. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Great. 
So we, we uh, it's me here, and it's also my friend Mark. Hello there. Hi. <laughs> so we're talking to you we're in the studio right now. So this episode, Veronica, we're, we're talking about technology mm. and whether technology mm-hmm. has um, made us ruder. Can you tell me a bit about Carwink? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, so Carwink is a lifestyle gadget that helps drivers communicate better with the drivers following them. And it does this through an app we have created that is voice control. Uh-huh. Say the command, and an animated picture with words will show up on the Carwink display. Huh. It folds up into a ball, uh, which looks like a Pokemon ball. So it is easy to take with you on the go. It adheres to your windshield with a heavy-duty suction cup, so it will not fall off. Does, does it have sort of a message that runs across the ball? Right. Um, so first, it displays the animation. And then after the animation, it uh, displays the word or um, phrase. Okay, so I've got you. So, Veronica, you get a small ball, you stick it on the back of your car, and then from within the car, you would say um, car wink, maybe to activate it. Car wink, thank Mm -hmm. you. And then perhaps Mm -hmm. a little thumbs up emoji would happen, and then scrolling from left to right, the words thank you would appear. Exactly. And this seems, I mean, uh, you know, how did you guys get the idea for this? The founder actually lives in L.A., uh-huh. um, and he's a designer. He studied at um, a school down in L.A., so he knew the traffic was really bad, um, and he wanted to solve a problem, and he thought, well, let's do this through design and technology. So how many things can Carl Wink say? Right now it's 20, but I think we're going we're gonna to make it maybe 50. Oh, right. So you have a sort of a, a, a slogan for every eventuality. Mm-hmm. How open is this system to abuse? Um, it's supposed to be closed. So, so for example, you, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, say something nasty to the person behind you. You couldn't say, car wink, tell them to get lost, and then there'd be a get- Yeah, no. No, nothing <laughs> like that. That would, be, that would be the opposite of what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really about promoting politeness on the road. Yeah. So, so what, are, what are all the different things that it says? Oh, there are a lot of different things. So it can say, uh, thank you. It can say, keep the distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can say, let's see, I feel annoyed oh. <laughs> about something. Well, that's interesting, Veronica, because um, mm-hmm. I suppose that's a way of telling the person behind you in the politest terms possible that their actions have mm-hmm. not been appreciated without saying, yeah. hey, you know, dickhead, back off. Instead, yeah. it's saying, yeah. I feel annoyed, which is quite an American thing right. as well, of just saying, I'm going to tell you how I feel, but in quite a sort mm-hmm. of a, a steady, passive way. So it's not trying right. to, it can't be abused in that way of um, of trying to teach someone a lesson. It's merely sharing an emotion through car. Yeah. Does it say I love you? Um, there is one that you can say something like that. That's oh, nice. Yeah. What does it say? Yeah, and there's the thumbs up, which could be interpreted in different ways. Like, it can like be what? used for thank you, but also um, I like it or something. Yeah, nice. Yeah, no, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've often wanted to say that to the, to the car behind me. You know, the I like it one. So that's good that it can do that. Uh, well, Veronica, mm-hmm. good luck with Carwig. 
Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> no, not at all. And, I, you know, I hope it takes the world by storm. Uh, I hope road rage reduces. I hope we're politer on the roads to one another. Um, and if I could give you a thumbs up now and say I like it, I would. <laughs> oh, great. Mine says I love you. <laughs> all right. Well, have a wonderful day. You thank too. You. See you soon. Cheers. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I mean... I mean, Veronica didn't say no. I did tell Veronica I loved her. I heard that, yeah. And she, she didn't she say... She didn't say anything, did Well, she? she didn't say this well, is going nowhere. She didn't say it wasn't going nowhere, but she certainly didn't... I, I still think that's very well, much a... I don't know. I don't think it's a no. Well, listen, if you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget. F You Very Much is the name of the book in which there is... Well, plenty more information about um, rudeness around the world, why you're rude, why we're rude. Um, why Veronica was reading from a bit of paper and didn't really seem to know much about Carwink. <laughs> <laughs> Is that rude of me to say? Uh, no, not at all. No. no, I think it's fine. Let's 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 email Veronica and see if we can have F you very much put on the latest uh, edition of Carwink. Thumbs up. I like it. <laughs> I love Veronica. So we'll be back uh, with another episode uh, of this podcast. Remember, you don't need to have read the book uh, to get something from this, we hope. And next time, we're going to talk about hashtag just saying. I don't think that sounds like an interesting episode, hashtag just saying. (laughs) 